0: let's get howling but first a couple quick warnings first warning this podcast contains adult content don't be a pixie second warning this podcast contains spoilers for the entire red rising saga
1: don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com and write and review us, five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we won't teach you the mind's eye after we find it out.
0: And now, Howlerpod.
2: I think, as with all things, honor is best appreciated in moderation. That is cool. Trust me. That's number five with
3: the report.
0: Hello, Hours. Welcome to pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising Saga by Howard number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow! I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Well, Howards. All right, we already know it's character study time. It's part two. Part two, d- Of the Lysander character study today. We're diving into the Howard mailbag.
1: Yes, and we have some harsh (laughs) listeners, we have some sympathizers and supporters, and we also have the, you know, traditional Lysander
0: haters, one of those. (laughs) We'll also be listening to voicemails, but we're going to start with our friends over at Hell Reaper Pod.
1: Yes, they graciously agreed to To duel for us, Uh, we reached out to them so that we could get you know, all the Lysander contributions possible, (laughs) and they did a kick-ass dueling for us. Hopefully nobody got too hurt.
0: (laughs) I think only one of them lost an arm. That's it.
1: Okay, well, we have Mickey on call, so we can just send him over. Who's the Marvel guy with, like, the steel arm? Uh, Winter Soldier winter soldier oh he's hot in the movies
0: (laughs) yes got great
1: hair that bucky what's his name bucky yeah Yeah. nice anyways i had a cool image of that hopefully either jeremy or philip whoever lost the arm i hope now that you look like bucky
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so a little background we reached out to jeremy and philip asked them to meet in the bleeding place and duel over Sander. One of them thinks he's a pixie, one thinks he's pride.
1: And one of them is
4: my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hear it. Hey everyone, my name is Philip, I'm one half of the Hail Reaper podcast, and this is my good friend Jamie. Hello there. How's it going? Mm-hmm. Dude, it's going great. It's going good, we're on our pod, bro. I know, I'm excited. We made it to here. the big leagues. I know, I'm so glad Ben and Aaron had us on. And they had us on to duel over Lysander. Yes, I'm a Lysander hater, and you are a Lysander sympathizer. Yeah, and let's put this in context, because I don't advocate slavery or oppression. I simply sympathize with his character. Sure you do. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, let's go and get started, dude. Alright, let's get this thing rolling, so let's do a coin flip, man. Are you heads or tails? Always tails. Alright, here we go. Oh, crap. It's tails, man. Alright, you get first blood. Okay, here we go. Lysander is a pixie! I say, Lysander is prime! So much of the Red Rising story is about overcoming your ancestry, overcoming your heritage, and being better than the previous generations. Eo says this all the way back in the beginning of the story. She says, live for more. And that's kind of like the embodiment of the entire kind of Red Rising saga, really. And Lysander's character it seems like he wants to do this at certain points, and he's offered the ability to do so. Through Cassius, his mentor, and also through Romulus, a character that does care about him, kind of shows him, hey, there are other ways to go about life. You don't have to go just this one way. But he rejects that. He says, you know, I, I'd rather just do it my way or the old way. His mantra wouldn't be live for more, it'd be live for the past. and go back to this nostalgic, idealistic way that I perceived the world when I was a child, and that's what I'm gonna chase. I find that to be the most pixie thing possible because in his rejection of both Cassius and Romulus trying to show him a new path, he puts their lives in great danger. So it's like double pixie to me. I would agree with you that he does want to live for the past. I mean, he comes from a place of order, from structure, from peace. And what does he have now? He has nothing. I mean, maybe you would say like he doesn't want to live for nonsense because that's all that's going on right now. You've got a Senate that doesn't work with crap. You have the Red Hand. I mean, what a disaster that is. They used to be the oppressed and they become the oppressor. And then you've got a civil war that's essentially starting through the Outer Rim. Like, what about that is something that you'd actually want? The reason why there's so much nonsense is because Lysander and his homies uh, believe in space racism. Like, essentially, to use a, a holopod term. <laughs> sure. So, um, like, that's the problem. Like, the, the world is really changing. You see this not over the course of just books four and five, but you do see in book three as well. Uh, Daryl has this quote cool it says, we are the tide and we are rising. And it's, it's really like emphatic and it's, it's true. It's permeating the greater world. And more people are allowed to have more agency and more status and not just gold. And Life Sanders tried to restore gold order. I'm not like world order and that is a huge fundamental flaw and I know you're not trying to again you're not trying to like say oh well, that's cool <laughs> I'm good with that you're not good with like oppression and slavery and tyranny in that sense but if we are just talking about the character that is a huge flaw in his thinking in his way and we have a character like Cassius who made those mistakes who was on the wrong side and says man I made those mistakes you don't have to yeah I, I would say Cassius isn't the example you want to be using because if you're talking about an example that he set up for Lysander, he failed on both ends within society. Because he waffled back and forth, he was an utter failure. He lost the duel to Darrow, lost his arm because of it. He left in disgrace, and now he's wandering space as a drunkard. What part of that should Lysander look up to and respect? It's just more of like it's not. It's not looking up to him. It's looking at him as an example, looking at him and saying like this guy got. Sp- screwed up from opposing the rising tide. So instead of bringing order to the society, bringing peace to the galaxy, and becoming sovereign himself, he should aspire to side with the, with the rebellion, fail, and live in exile, drunk in space for the rest of his life? Obviously not that. I wouldn't expect him to just choose that. That's ridiculous. But let's go ahead and look his contemporary, which is Alexander Arcos. And let's move into my last point point, your last counterpoint. Pierce Brown kind of cr- this, like, underlying narrative here, like almost like a covert juxtaposition of these two characters, Alexander and Lysander. And you have a character in Alexander who is offered the peerless scar by his icon, arrow. And he says, You know, man, I don't need it, I don't want it. I know who I am. I can go and be good and help people do good, do the right thing. And I don't need the tokenism of the scar. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the character of Lysander just searching for that scar, Like, trying to obtain it from people that clearly don't like him, love him, care for him, and are actively trying to kill him in Ajax and Atalantia. And yet he's, like, trying to gain his agency, trying to gain that kind of respect from the scar. He doesn't, but like, he doesn't realize he doesn't need that tokenism. He doesn't need to just, he can just be who he wants to be. Because Alexander is showing you, in this world, I, I don't need a scar to gain the male, to gain the token. I can just go and be good. I can just do what I want to do, move freely in the world, because that's what this world is now. Yeah, we're definitely looking at this from different angles, because what you're saying is that he's kind of seeking out that scar. I don't think that's it at all. I think Atalantia, Ajax, I think these are are vehicles to what he really wants. I I see Lysander as intellectual and, I would even say, manipulative. And I think he's utilizing the getting of the scar in order to get what he really wants, and that's the throwing bag. And this is simply a hoop that he has to jump through. He's in a very bad spot, he has to rise to prominence, and if he objectively looks at it, how does he do that? And this is the vehicle. So like all great debates, we ended exactly where we started. You're still sympathizing, and I'm still hating. Yes. (laughs) So, we want to thank Ben and Aaron for letting us come on. Thanks guys. guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much. And we're going to jump out of here. I know you and I could probably go back and forth on this for at least 20 or 31 minutes. And we have, actually actually <laughs> uh, well, a we're gonna go ahead and get out of here you guys can find us if you want to listen to our podcast it's called hail reaper and red rising Podcast. until then hail reaper hail reaper guys Woo! what a duel
1: man i'm i'm a, even more <laughs> a fan of philip sorry jeremy <laughs> Just kidding. Those were both um, really great points. You know, I I can definitely see it from both Jeremy and Phillip's points of view. Right. And as always, thank you so much for um, some kick-ass space music in the background. Ben was dancing for a while. I had to tell him to stop so I could listen better. (laughs) (laughs) Killing my ADHD over
0: here, man. Um. And yeah, I think that duel is a great illustration of what the deal is with this Lysander argument. Like, it it does come from your perspective a lot of the time. Like I think there's arguments to be made for both sides of Lysander, so it's kind of what appeals to you most. I liked Phillip's point comparing him to Alex, especially the stuff with the scar and the tokenism of that. uh, That was good, but I also liked Jeremy's rebuttal to that, where he said, I just, you know, using that stuff as tools. He uses a lot of different people as tools to get what he wants.
1: Right, but what he wants is to be the new sovereign because he thinks
0: that he knows better than everyone else. So that goes back to his pride. That was a great start. Thank you, Jeremy and Philip from Hell Pod. Let's go ahead and dive into the mailbag.
1: Yes, and one note before we start, um, some of the emails are super detailed and long therefore a few of them were pared down in the interest of time however we read them all and they were all really great points so thank you
0: yes we appreciate everyone that wrote in obviously for the sake of time we do have to edit some of them down a little bit but we appreciate
1: you don't worry there's a lot of content you won't be disappointed all right let's start off with our uh, listener Mike. Thank you so much for writing in. Mike says, In Lysander we've seen a brilliant and perceptive little boy endure the abuse and twisted machinations of Octavia only to have his entire world blown apart by a man who once worshipped. Despite various traumas, he marched on with poise and serenity, growing into an honorable and seemingly compassionate young man under the wing of Cassius, routinely risking his own life to save others and paying due respect to people of all cultures and colors. I'm trying not to insert my opinions (laughs) as I read these. (laughs) Sorry, Mike. Okay, Mike goes on. After witnessing hedonism and moral decay embedded within the society of the core firsthand, His psyche struggled to resolve the conflict he saw between the identity and pride of his family instilled in him from birth, and the virtues he now wants to embody as a young man carving his own path with the help of Cassius. It's like he's struggling to overcome the society programming he was washed in as a boy. Then, at the rim, everything changed for him, because for the first time, he saw a live demonstration of what the society could have been. Prudent, peaceful, organized, and proud. While it's obviously not what we consider ideal, it must have seemed like a bastion of light in the dark. If he could accept their society as an ideal one, then he could finally be one with both his born identity and his moral philosophy. So he did. From then on... From Lysander's point of view, the story has been propelled mostly by one force and one force only, survival. However, us readers know better. His decision making is just as fueled by vanity and ego as it is his calculating survival instincts however being like 18 he lacks this self-awareness in this sense lysander is essentially a mirror image of young darrow whose rash and violent outbursts often serve himself just as much as his rebellion and darrow had the luxury of his born identity and traumatic past all pointing in the exact same direction as his moral philosophy Lysander is not so lucky, and whether he wins his inner battles and comes around to join the Republic or loses and takes up the society banner for good, his constant struggle to align his actions with a clear and consistent moral compass is a noble one. We all hope he sees it through the murky waters, but the fact that he's taking on that journey with such intense effort makes him prime in my eyes. Plus, he's tricky AF absolutely obliterated gold knights with the mind's eye and even managed to out joust darrow without the mind's eye or any depth perception (laughs) that's prime material people i said what i said wow starting off hot mike i like it i like how mike is like shitting on lysander at the same time he's
0: you know, explaining why he's Prime. It's just so hard to not shit on Lysander.
1: Even Mike, <laughs> who ultimately says Prime, is saying he's, you know, also led by his ego. So, that, I think that was a great email to start off
0: with. Yeah, thank you, Mike. That was awesome. I, I love the point you made about seeing the rim kind of as this light in the dark, and that this brought kind of his warring identities together in one place. Right.
4: It kind of
1: pulled him out of Cassius's umbrella. Right. And he was like, wait, look at these
0: goals. Right. He's like, only if we can do the society the right way, then it will be okay. So I think that's a really great point. Let's go to our next email. This is from Jordan.
1: Aka, a girl who hates Lysander. (laughs) I'll read this one because it's short. Okay. Lysander Alun, more like Lysander Agun, is undoubtedly a pixie whose amount of brand is even less impressive than his level of authority, which is saying something. That is all. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan.
0: I love it. Lysander Agun. That's a good one. Our next email is from our friend Daniel. Thank you for writing in, Daniel. He says, I think that Lysander just may be the actual hero of this story. Wow. Brown has created a world that is both fantastical and relatable. His characters are complex. With the exception of Adelantia, Apple, Pax, and Volga, Brown's characters are a mixture of light and dark. Dark Age is fantastic not only because of the carnage, but the gray area of humanity, and that's where Lysander is shining from. Put aside your feelings about Arcos, just humor me on this. Think about the complexity of his background and his past. He has said and thought time and time again that he does not want to rule his praetorians came, he did not want them because of the power shift. When Cicero suggested taking the Grey's water supply, he was told he would have to cut Lysander down. And when it came time that he would have escaped Daryl by leaving behind his men, he chose to stay. He tried to end the impaled Red's suffering. There was nothing that could have saved the man. When Atlas offered to take Lysander back to the main forces, Lysander could have rallied the remaining forces loyal to him to protect him. But after hearing that both sides would have been killed off by Atalantia's new bio-weapon, he tried to end the war on Mercury in another way. And then in Iron Gold, he admits that gold was selfish in creating the pinks. There was no reason other than evil to create them. He has admitted time and time again, gold has lost their way. And I think he has lost his way, but not to the point that he isn't redeemable. We have Warren and Romulus praise, but they were both slavers. The same people that that say, fuck Lysander, won't admit that Darrow has major flaws or yet, will say that Tactus was redeemable. The hypocrisy is disgusting. Wow, those are fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. I think Lysander will take the morning chair and rule with a blend uh, of both the Republic and the society. It won't be perfect. It will piss people off. But I think in order for that to happen, people will have to die. I think Cassius will die. Cassius will personally go after Lysander, I think. Cassius and Lysander will have an Obi-Wan and Anakin moment, and then I believe that Roan will shoot Bellona, whose death may be the pushing factor for Loon. Maybe he will be killed by a Howler, Darrow or Cassius. Maybe Ajax or Atalantia will do him in. Maybe, just maybe, he's been Brown to the whole time. Either way, I have been intrigued by him throughout his journey. His POV gives a needed perspective on the war. For this and... I believe his good actions have outweighed the negative, I will give him prime with the possibility of being the prime miss of the ending.
1: Wow, Daniel. <laughs> he had some fight wars in there.
0: fans, <laughs> yeah. watch out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree with him. Um, he had really good bullet points saying why Lysander has said he doesn't want to rule Mm -hmm. so you know I am curious to see in book six if Lysander will like continue to have those concerns with ruling or if he's like totally committed now to being the new sovereign
0: right to me I think the Lysander not wanting to rule is of necessity it's a survival tactic and it's a ploy to get to the top Like, I don't see that as him not actually wanting to rule. Okay. I think he's just saying what needs to be said because he knows if he's... But
1: he's not saying that he's thinking it in his POV. You know, he's not just saying, I don't want to rule. He's, like, thinking it in his personal thoughts. Right, but it's coming up
0: because of things that are required of him. Like, he doesn't want to make all these waves in gold society, especially when he shows up again. he can't do that at the rim because they will kill him he can't do it when he comes back to gold society because they will kill him so like he has to acquire his power first and then rule and so I think he's smart enough to realize that and if he comes at it from the perspective of I'm a loon bitch get out of the way you know that's not that's not going to make him any friends and it's not going to get him what he needs which is supporting forces and an army so I think like of it comes out of what's required of him in the moment and not necessarily what he actually wants, because I think what he wants is to rule.
1: Yeah, I think I think maybe he's, those thoughts he has about not wanting to rule, I think he's thinking what he thinks he's supposed to be thinking.
0: Well, he's thinking but then, in that moment, like, what's required of him.
1: Right, but my whole thing is that because it's internal and we're reading from his point of view, you know, I do think he thinks that he doesn't want to rule, but then the closer he gets to power, he's showing more and more that he now is like, I'm the only one who can
0: shepherd everybody right. into the right path. What I would say then is, I, I guess if he's thinking he doesn't want to rule, then why is every single action he's taken leading him to? the position he's in
1: exactly thank you daniel as always daniel writes in um us for most our episodes and it's always very appreciated
0: yes daniel we appreciate you thanks
1: next up we have an email from the florian trout they say lysander is the worst <laughs> killed the lancelot of the series and is a total pix hope he dies a gruesomely painful death at the hands of <laughs> this is spelled Cassius <laughs> via a slow beating wow Wow! <laughs> harsh uh, obviously that was vote for pixie
0: I love that the prime people have these really long arguments to like
1: justify <laughs> it
0: and then the pixie people are just like fuck this dude he's a pixie
1: <laughs> uh this is why it's you know mine <laughs> thank you the florian trout all right
0: our next email is from our friend thomas Boomhauer. you can check out his podcast high key obsessed where we make an appearance
1: yes thank you thomas uh very nice to meet you on zoom and also to hear from you again
0: he said, I think Lysander is one of the hardest characters to evaluate. He certainly has prime characteristics, unless you fall into the space racism is an automatic DQ camp. That means disqualified. Right. He has shown to be a capable fighter, and an exceptional one when using the Mind's Eye. If the Mind's Eye is something he learned, and not some form of the figment, then his mastery of the Mind's Eye indicates primeness as well. He's also very intelligent and orchestrated a rebellion against Darrow's forces and fooled him as to his identity in a few face-to-face encounters. However, I think ultimately his naivete, delusions, and his propensity for thinking with his dick (laughs) met him in the pixie camp. He is too naive about the role of gold and their ability to justly rule the solar system. He also doesn't notice how many decisions he makes because of his attraction to various ladies.
1: He is young. He is
0: very young. <laughs> <laughs> For fan casting I see him as Harry Lloyd who played Viserys in Game of Thrones. That is um gets the gold pour on his head. Danny's brother who's a total
1: dick <laughs> That's like a harsh fan casting. <laughs>
0: Sits because uh, that he would be a good casting choice because the narrator for Iron Gold sounded a lot like him. I think the actor is too old, but someone with that vibe. Um, he says, like many, I hate Lysander, but he is undoubtedly an awesomely complicated and well-written character. If he realizes the error in his ways and becomes more like his namesake, which you can listen to in part one from Heather.
1: Yes, Thomas gave us the same history. Uh, connection that Heather did.
0: Yes. Then he, uh, he says, then he may yet earn the title of Prime.
1: So this is kind of a, he's pixie now, Right. but opens up the possibility for him being Prime in book
0: six. Right. And we definitely agree that Wysander thinks of his dick too much.
1: I mean, he learned his lesson. <laughs> and then his crush got blown in (laughs) half so (laughs) as
0: As he learned (laughs) his lesson though
1: (laughs) i don't think you know obviously atalantia i don't think he was like necessarily wanting originally to marry her but i mean
0: he's not gonna pass up an opportunity (laughs) he also doesn't seem upset about it yeah (laughs) So
1: I'm pretty sure he wasn't, you know, meeting a lot of ladies out with Cassius, so.
0: I guess you gotta take what you can get when you have a half-melty face as well. Yeah, they'll get it fixed. I thought he was gonna keep it.
1: Oh, um, that's right. <laughs> Maybe Atalanta will make him fix it. Like, or can you turn your head? <laughs> the side don't look at it <laughs> actually I put this bag over your head <laughs> all right thank you thomas uh, very great insight um I, I am curious to see if he becomes prime in book six so next up we have chris aka at tax underscore uh, underscore reaper on instagram like most of pierce's characters he has his own motivations and backstory and is so well fleshed out all of the controversy comes at the crossroads of quote well written characters and quote good ones As far as honor and integrity goes, I think Lysander is a very selfish and heartless dude. That's the gist of it. He advocates for slavery and has little to no compassion for those he deems beneath him. Daryl once said, in a world of monsters, it takes more to be kind. Well, Lysander grew up with a legitimately abusive grandmother, is married to a manipulative, sadistic psycho, and unfortunately, it shows... (laughs) He's fallen right into the cycle of monsters beget monsters. Will he get out? Unlikely. Mm. So I feel like Chris is leading Pixie.
0: That sounds like Pixie to me.
1: Yes, and he does have a poor um, line of influencers. I
0: know he just has a lot of bad people around him for most of his life. Just couldn't
1: follow Cassius, and
0: I guess only the first ten years, and then like the last two months, really.
1: Yeah, but remember how, with it he was as a ten-year-old. It's not like when I was a ten-year-old and like didn't pay attention to the people around me. Right. He he like, you know he remembers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Our next email is from probably Sierra or definitely Sierra. No, probably. <laughs> 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 they say. I can't defend his actions, but I do love his character a lot. He is a great character. He is young, nuanced, and complex. A product of society and manipulation. Also, I appreciate his point of view for finally giving me a clear picture of Darrow and why he is so deified by the masses. So while I think he is going to reap what he is sowing and it will be well-deserved, I really love his part uh, in the narrative and I'll die on that hill if I need to.
1: No, Cassius will pick you up. <laughs> no, no dying on hills. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I mean, obviously his chapters show us, you know, a whole side of what's going on that we, you know, couldn't see without his point of view. Um, and you get Cassius in. Right,
0: I would agree. He's a great character. His chapters are probably my favorites from the the second series of liking the characters.
1: I like Lyria now, even though I used to hate it. (laughs) Okay, next up we have Riley Gravel. Lysander seems to be wrestling with wanting to be better than his grandmother while also being nervous of what Ajax and Atalantia think of him. All while obviously having a guilty conscience about Cassius. Then you throw in the fact that he has a win over Darrow. Of course he has to take that opportunity problem is that i think daryl has changed from when tactus threatened Lauren's family he wanted tactus to change and truly believed that he could i don't think daryl honestly feels that anymore i think cassius will eventually have to kill lysander and as lysander dies cassius will realize lysander is sorry wow he will be sorry when he's dying (laughs) 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 i thought i was made for more
0: so we have a Cassius even more regret
1: oh yeah well Lysander will be sorry obviously Cassius will feel sorry yeah. if he kills Lysander
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but yeah I could definitely see that happening I would like to
0: see that happening you want to see Cassius kill Lysander
1: uh yeah yeah yep Okay. that'd be cool you're on record on record <laughs>
0: our next email is from Cassie Hurley She says, Lysander is a whiny little pixie. Everything he does is in response to his loss of status. He wraps it in flowery language about gold being shepherds and stewards of humanity and all the other bullshit that colonists have spewed for centuries. But at the end of the day, he wants to be on top of his aunt one cassie
1: cassie says bazinga <laughs> and I, ha- I got a good laugh when i said that
0: <laughs> everyone saying that his heart is in the right place is kidding themselves one can make that argument to a point but as soon as you hear his visceral reaction to rona all arguments about his goodness go out the window he is a space racist period full stop and don't at me with the colors aren't race That's a red herring argument because you know what I mean. The color caste system is the man-made system of oppression that exists in the post-racial world of Red Rising. Just like the systemic racism that has existed for centuries, if he made an effort to learn and grow beyond those ingrained biases, it would be one thing. But unapologetically space racist equals pixie. Must are
3: apple?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> Daniel might fight you, Cassie, but uh, I'll defend you. Maybe Apple will come say hi. That'd be cool.
0: I love how we just gave him a free pass for all his terrible behavior. Well,
1: the flowery language gets me. I mean, let me let me just say. <laughs> I don't know if we're doing What Are We Into Again, but I'm like super into Bridgerton Mm
0: -hmm.
1: on Netflix. And I don't know if we're doing What Are We Into Again since it's the same week.
0: We are, but go ahead.
1: Okay, I'm into Bridgerton on Netflix, (laughs) and it's like Gossip Girl meets... Um, you know, Pride and Prejudice or Downton Abbey. Wow, that sounds and right. We, up your alley. You know how much <laughs> I love British people. <laughs> oh my God, and how much I love the 19th century, and it's it's amazing. So my point is, I feel like Apple would like really fit into, you know, the the True. going the going to balls and moving ladies, uh, and I would yeah. love to just meet him. <laughs> He could be like the Duke. (laughs) And if you've seen
0: the show, you know what I'm talking about. Aaron is just flipping flipping my hair (laughs) a lot right
1: now. (laughs) I cannot think about the Duke.
0: That's great.
1: And you have to watch this. Okay, maybe. I John hates me because I keep like repeating after them while the te- while I'm watching it. Honestly, it sounds horrible, but I'm like, shouldn't you be with your governess? <laughs> <laughs> that was
0: good. Okay, that's not bad.
1: Thanks, Cassie.
0: Yes, thank you, Cassie. And that was, I think, our hottest pixie take yet. Yeah. Unapologetic.
1: And yeah, the visceral reaction to Rona. Agreed. That Damn. was like what? Where'd that come from?
0: I can see why that turns you off, Cassie.
1: Okay, our next email is from Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie writes in, So, Lysander, I should start by saying I am not rooting for him. I don't agree with his ideas on society and Gold's being the shepherds for the other colors. That's BS. It's enslavement. But his character is exactly what I wanted and expected when he was allowed to live at the end of Morningstar. Since the beginning of storytelling the child of the enemy that's allowed to live comes back with a vengeance even with this saga nero uh, augustus did it when pierce announced a new trilogy after morningstar i was like yes lysander will be an antagonist wow. i also yeah that's some foresight <laughs> yeah. i had no thoughts for him <laughs> stephanie says i also love reading his chapters his point of view in iron gold of the moonies was one of my favorite things I agree, that's pretty kick ass. But the question at hand Prime or Pixie? In Iron Gold, I would say Pixie. His behavior of defying Cassius pissed me off. In Dark Age, after he survived his institute or radiation in the desert, I now say Prime. Wow, Stephanie! Mm. That was unexpected. He also was successful at tricking Darrow and company. Damn him. But he's also still a pixie too (laughs) wait a second the way he killed alex shaking my head no honor indeed and he believes himself to be an entitled iron gold so my verdict is he's a prime pixie
0: wow we've got a fence setter here i don't know what this means
1: (laughs) predictions lysander probably won't completely trust apollonius and they might turn on each other Lysander will certainly go up against Atalantia, and there will be a big duel with Daryl and Cassius, for sure, maybe two against one, with Lysander's Mind's Eye and Daryl and Cassius's Razor skills. It will be epic. I shit escalates.
0: <laughs> so this is a fun take. I like how she split it up between Iron, Gold, and Dark Edge. Right, yeah. Because that makes sense. He is kind of a, a pixie.
1: And he's like a... Um, Disobedient
0: child, <laughs> right? Like, no, I know better. I'm gonna go save the hot girl. He is annoying. I, I, in Iron Gold, you're just like, just listen, Cassius, and shut up, man. Right,
1: and Pytha too. Yeah. Thank you, Stephanie. Hot take: We got a fence sitter. <laughs> Maybe Stephanie will land primer Pixie by the end of
0: book six, six. Yeah, she always like seems to be holding out. Our next email is from Dram. This is their howler name.
1: Yes. If you haven't done it yet, um, the Red Rising and Beyond Facebook page has an official Howard name list.
0: Wow. All right, they say, now for that bitch, Lysander. I can't help but respect him. We celebrate Daryl for making it out of slavery, but seem to diminish the accomplishments of a kid who made it out of full... mind rape abuse, aka diddling, I tend to see the Prime vs Pixie dichotomy as a question asking whether someone wavers in the face of their code and Lysander does not. His code is to create a better world, even if it's space racist AF. He can see the futility of war, but also has the balls to ride a sunblood full speed at the most dangerous man in the Legit universe. His code finds its home in simply building a better society than his psycho grandma. And I think how number one is setting him up to be a huge protagonist in the next book. Also, how badass is the Let's quote Let's quote your favorite poet before I kill you? Bet 100% prime. Rude. prime.
1: Dream, that was very confusing because you started the email off saying, bitch, (laughs) Lysander And then you immediately switched gears.
0: That was a pretty quick gear shift.
1: I was like, wow, what? (laughs) Um, hot take. Also, I think uh, they bring up a really good point we should point out saying um how you see the prime vs pixie argument so do you see it as you don't like the person or do you see it as they're hardcore you know don't break their code fearless etc
0: right it's all very personal i have a different definition than that of how i grade my versus pixie so
1: mine's more like do I like you like would I want to hang out with you oh
0: you're all about good hang bad hang yeah okay wow
1: but like I see how you know obviously Pierce describes a pixie in Red Rising the first book As, you know, the flippant youth on the grav boots drunken with ladies, which that sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm a pixie. All right, thank you, Dram. Next up, we have James Schellenberger. James says... Right, James titled the email, quote, in defense of Lysander. Wow. So is we'll see if we'll <laughs> it's a dram situation <laughs> and it flips back. Um, James says, it's true most have come to hate Lysander simply because as his story arc reaches its apex, it ends Alexander's. That's very true. Mm-hmm. His killing of Alexander was a practical and necessary thing for him to get his plan into motion. There really was no other way. He also understood that he would likely have been beaten in a razor duel. It was a rational transaction. What he didn't do, however, was kill Pup 2, and that speaks to his character. Could have killed her and probably should have done so. James! <laughs> no! <laughs> Don't kill Rona. Okay. James goes on to say, lastly, the mind's eye is tech, I believe. Interesting. It is a passive version of Figment. For the mind's eye to work, the user must release control of his or her natural senses. The mind's eye works when the user basically turns on the autopilot, whereas Figment is an active AI
0: interface. They are related,
1: I believe, and they will be tied together at the Oculus That is a cool idea.
0: Some prime theorizing.
1: I like it. That means it's intangible then for Apple.
0: Right? I get Unless he like pops it out of (laughs) Bystander's brain. His nose.
1: Okay, James uh, concludes by saying, My book six prediction for Lysander is he finds he becomes more disenchanted with the precepts of the society and eventually must ally with the Republic to save humanity. I believe he will have a reunion with Daryl and Cassius, and an understanding develops occurs when Lysander gets his memories back and we discover that his grandmother Octavia had her daughter and son-in-law killed to prevent their rise as societal reformers. I believe this act was done by the Grimace clan as their ambitions intersect with their want of being as close as they can to the center of power if not holding it themselves. They have all shown the ability and desire to do whatever the sovereign wants no matter the morality of the act. That's a good prediction. We'll see. Like, obviously Pierce left us those breadcrumbs for a reason. Mm -hmm. And he always brings them back. Handsome girl, always find their way home.
0: I'm still just not sure if I can get on board with Standard being quote-unquote redeemed, but maybe. You'd be like,
1: sure, we're going to put you in the corner, though. (laughs) You can't come to the howler meetings. (laughs) Thank you, James. Great email. Um, you know, lot to think about there. I, I really like the uh, mind's eye being tech. I really like that idea. I haven't thought of that yet.
0: All right, our next email is from Maya. She says, Lysander isn't prime as fuck. Lysander is undoubtedly skilled And intelligent, so intelligent and keen to showcase it that the gaping holes in his self-perception and moral reasoning are so much harder to stomach. While he does have the ability to self-reflect, his overconfidence in his own abilities often rules his behavior. Deeply assured in his own judgment, he often overlooks both the wisdom and danger of older characters with greater experience constantly ignoring Cassius's warnings and being handily manipulated by Atalantia and the Ra's. Coincidentally, my favorite Lysander quote is, Cassius was right, <laughs> closely followed by, I know Cassius was right, again. He also declares himself an iron gold before experiencing battle, a frankly embarrassing boast to after observing so many elite goals throughout his life and seeing that it is an earned status not a birthright. While Lysander does admit that there were flaws and injustices in the system, he fails to make the final leap that better minds people like Virginia have made before him. Someone with such a narrow view of the world and determined to mold it to fit his ideals is a disaster in the making. He does have the capacity for kindness towards low-colors, trying to rescue captives on the Askamani ship in the field of impaled soldiers, but it is the condescending kindness of a man stooping to pet a stray dog. (laughs) He thinks of himself as a shepherd, the lower-colors his flock, to be pitied and protected. That's well said, Maya. I know that Lysander had an incredibly traumatic upbringing, that he was practically brainwashed by Octavia. I know that society is not just an idea to him, but a place of emotional comfort and remembered safety. But just because he didn't suffer under it, it doesn't mean he can discount the experiences of the very many who have. Lysander has so many gifts and some genuine humanity. And seeing that squandered on an old orm- immoral cause and justified with faulty reasoning is frustrating to say the least. Until his common sense catches up with the rest of him, he will remain the worst of all pixies and worthy of a Rona headshot.
1: Damn Maya <laughs> Sounds like a prediction.
0: We have said like are so good. I love you guys and these emails that we've been sending, the, the reasoning is, I'm just like, I'm feeling torn in so many directions right now. I don't know what to choose. I mean, we've always known all the howlers are
1: very attentive and read the books many times. Right. So, um, obviously we're gonna get a lot of really good input from our listeners. It's good you feel torn at this point. I know. We have a couple more emails and then we'll have the voicemails and maybe someone will you know really pull you to one side
0: <laughs> with Maya's email here I just really love the comparison to the condescending kindness of a man stooping to pet a stray dog I do think that is how he sees oh, yeah. low colors for sure
1: it's, it's definitely like Lysander in our society would definitely be a mansplainer. <laughs> yes. You know? And like, it's like, I don't care how smart you are, you can do it in a way that isn't as condescending <laughs> yeah. as that.
0: He definitely would. Um, and then I also like the idea, and this is one of the first times I've kind of seen this, where she... We've been so focused on the Cassius and Lysander confrontation and maybe Cassius taking out Lysander. She throws in the possibility of Rona doing it, which I think Yeah.
1: For her long lost love.
0: That's I could see that for sure. And I would be cheering that for. Her. That would be awesome.
1: I would prefer <laughs> a Rona Squish where she <laughs> stomps on him with her Drakenjagers.
0: Oh, that... <laughs> God, that would be hilarious. It's like a
1: Hulk Smash situation where she throws his body back and forth.
2: That'd be fun. That would feel good. Tiny God. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, next up we have. Logan from Zef Barbecue, aka Zef Hawaiian, and fun little tidbit, little little tease for the next episode, Zef is coming on the podcast as a guest to speak to us about Daryl next week. We're excited. Alright, let's hear from Logan. So, I know I'm definitely one of the few Lysander sympathizers out there, and I'm here to tell you that he is without a doubt prime, my Prime, my goodman. Never has Darrow ever met an opponent with the intellect and cunning that Lysander has. Hear me out. I know this is starting to sound like a space racist circle jerk, but I'm here to tell you that he has some very solid, strong points. First and foremost, he is one of the strongest foil personalities that mirror Darrow in the whole series. His quest for Quote, justice and stability starts to border on obsession towards the end of Dark Age that matches perfectly with Darrow's obsession to end the war. The main examples being, Lysander going so far to throw himself into the midst of one of the gnarliest battles in modern space racist history and Daryl killing Wolfgar and telling the Senate to go fuck themselves. Take that level of passion and hate aimed at one another, multiply it by the tutelage of the most deadly woman in the galaxy, the mental and physical abuse of the most powerful person in the galaxy, and having the strongest blood of anyone, of anybody in the galaxy, and you have yourself a a cocktail for greatness, even if he is a hella space racist. (laughs) Think about the level of mental integrity you would have to have to soldier up to that. Through fighting on the front lines and being reunited with the Praetorians, he realizes that he needs to do more than just name drop the loon name. As the desert slowly starts to consume him, he realizes he's just another cog in this machine. What I'm saying is that in a weird way, not only did he earn his scar, but he also earned a big old piece of humble pie. eat your pie (laughs) Lysander anyone that says that Lysander is a pixie is gravely mistaken he fell in an iron rain survived the Ladon, slaughtered Ajax's ducks in 1v1 combat convinced the fear knight to trust his plan and above all else duped Darrow. Like, come on, sure, his point of view and colorism is absolute shit, but the man absolutely has theater, to say the least. And speaking of that, he has allied with Apollonius, one of the only men to ever give Darrow nightmares. And to round everything out, because I'm rambling now, is the Republic is not working, and Lysander sees that. He spent 10 years in the belt dealing with the repercussions of his new world. Yes, it's space racist, but see it from Lysander's point of view. At least he's better than Octavia. (laughs) To round this all out, consciously I do not agree with his actions or his views, but logically, from a pure, scarred standpoint, Lysander is prime. And whoever wants to challenge my honor can meet me in the bleeding place. Wow also fighting
3: words.
1: (laughs) So, I kind of feel like Logan, a.k.a. is F-Barbecue, is admitting that he, you know, wouldn't want to be Lysander's friend. Right. Um, So, his prime vote is more from Lysander
0: is clearly capable in terms of intelligence and, and fighting ability. Right. It comes back to what we've been saying, like what makes a character prime or pixie to you? And I think that what Logan is saying is he sees all the problematic things about Lysander, but also he sees a lot of the same things that make him very vulnerable opponent for Darrow. And especially among like the golds, his deeds and actions are definitely prime and one of an iron gold at this point. Especially in Dark Age.
1: You know, Logan has good
0: points. True.
1: And I will give you guys a plug. If you like looking at pictures of really, really amazing food, uh, go ahead and give Logan a follow. It's Zef underscore Hawaiian. That's Z-E-F underscore Hawaiian. And it's Hawaiian Barbecue. And I'm looking at it now, and I'm very hungry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Every time I see one of his food posts, I'm just like, I need it.
1: Now, get in
0: my belly. <laughs> and we're from Kansas City, so you know we love barbecue. Well,
1: guess we do.
0: <laughs> and our final email is from our friend Patrick Lawrence. Patrick says, happy howler days. This is it, the day we've all been waiting for. The chance for us to set aside our differences and come together to shit on the pixie of all pixies. Lysander, a fucking loon. Oh! First, let's acknowledge that the reason Lysander is so controversial and compelling is because of how well Pierce has written him as a foil for Daryl, and how Lysander directly relates to the overall plot. For the many reasons we love Daryl and deem Prime, the opposite qualities exhibited by Lysander are what make him a pixie. Although faulty arguments can be made about Lysander being Prime, his intellect defeating Daryl on Mercury, the Mind's Eye, the common fallacy with each of these arguments, and the overall theme for Lysander being a pixie is that he lacks agency in defining moments Lysander's story through iron gold is driven by men and women with greater conviction such as Cassius, Dido, Romulus, and Diomedes. His main act in iron gold was to surrender to the Rems' demands rather than stand fast like his prime mentor Cassius. In Dark Age, Lysander continues the lack of agency by being told to fall in Atalantia's reign on Mercury rather than volunteering for it. Even his defining, quote-unquote, pride moment of defeating Darrow in the final battle of Heliopolis is tainted by the fact that Darrow and the Free Regions had already been decimated by disease, nukes, EMPs, starvation, and constant battle, none of which was Lysander's doing. Even after such a victory that granted him substantial gravitas with the gold remnant, Lysander still lacks the balls to confront Atalantia after Kalendoa informs him of her involvement with his parents' death, and instead will continue to happily be her little concubine until a convenience is provided to him by the actions of others to better his lot. Spicy.
3: <laughs>
0: I could go on, but if such reactionary lack of agency and drive is what defines a pixie, then Lysander is the poster child and patron saint. Of pixies everywhere. (laughs) As far as predictions for Lysander, I want to dive into Ben's Conspiracy's Corner for a second and serve up some spicy takes for book six. Welcome. Play the theme music, Aaron. She's not playing it. It will be revealed that Atlas are uh, not... Uh, Arcos is Lysander's real father the most compelling (laughs) the most compelling aspect of this is that Lysander will have to reconcile his father's brutality and his belief in gold being the shepherds of humanity
1: and it would explain you know atlas's scene in dark age and being willing to be captured
0: like go along with this yeah right away
1: interesting
0: Atlas will be able to give Lysander tremendous insight about his mother that no one else can or will give him. It will also mean that him and Ajax are half-brothers from other mothers, which will spice up their interactions as well. It's getting incestual. <laughs> it also means that Alexander was the true heir of Arcos, which is the title of chapter of the chapter in Dark Age, when Lysander killed him. It will be revealed that Kalendor is actually alive... Glorastes will reintroduce her to compete as Lysander's love interest. Okay.
1: Did we see her die? I can't remember.
0: The villa in which Kalendora dies, so this is Patrick's support, he says, the villa in which Kalendora dies was owned by Glorastes. Lysander brings Kalendora Amanthus flowers, the oil of which are the cornerstone of the franchise when disguising the deaths of Daryl and Red Rising the Severo and Morningstar. Lastly, she dies off screen just like Cassius allegedly did uh, I don't remember yeah I didn't remember if didn't we saw her dead yeah. yeah
3: okay
0: wow Patrick's on to something here this is deep in the conspiracy corner love it when Calendora was on her deathbed Glorastes asked Lysander do you love her to which he replied I never had the chance but I believe I would to which Glorastes responds with then I will find a cure some close reading here, I love it. And then his last point, or his last prediction, is Lysander will have to decide to follow his vision for the fate of the society and stay loyal to Atalantia or follow his heart and love of Calendora. Interesting. And then his last um, bullet point here is not so much a prediction, but I seriously hope Cassius kills Lysander the way Obi-Wan should have killed Anakin in Star Wars.
1: And, uh... You are the chosen one!
0: You guys just wanted to hear me say that again, right?
1: Again? Have, have you said it before? Yeah. And this is the same point that Daniel brought up. Um, ben, can you remind us what the scene in Star Wars was for those of us, like me, who have seen the movies but do not worship them?
0: Um, it's episode three, Revenge of the Sith, right after Anakin's downfall. He's, you know, turned to the dark side. He's killed a lot of people, including children.
1: Also, spoiler alert, Anakin becomes Darth Vader. I think everybody knows that. I don't know. Some cool <laughs> people might. <laughs> <I'm just kidding.
0: laughs> and so Obi-Wan goes to the planet Mustafar to confront him
1: like Ben is
0: just saying this to me looking me in the <laughs> eye he did not look this up he just remembers all this crap and they have an epic lightsaber duel Obi-Wan wins the high ground and he says don't try it and he tries it and he gets lightsabered up hardcore almost to the point where he's killed loses his legs um, and then he gets like burnt by like kind of lava he's like Sitting next to a lava flow. Similar to Lysander. And he burns alive. And then but he survives, he's saved by the Emperor and they turn him into Darth Vader. I didn't realize he lost his legs. How's he walking around? He's got robot legs. And mm. like robot arm he's, he's mostly robot. A cyborg. Yep. Interesting. Good to know. And the reason that's relevant is because Anakin and Obi Wan had a master mentor situation. They were like brothers. They spent a lot of time together, and...
1: Similar to Cassius and Lysander, right.
0: And Anakin kind of basically betrayed Obi-Wan by turning to the dark side.
1: Sounds familiar! <laughs> <laughs> you was a chosen one!
0: That's pretty good, right? That was not bad.
1: Okay, thank you, uh, Howlers, for writing in. Some really great arguments on both sides, some right in the middle, and we're excited now to bring you some voicemails mm. from our listeners. Mm-hmm. Alright, our first voicemail. Hello, Pod. this is Kat, aka High Lady
3: of the Howlers, here to give you my really quick two cents on my hander, as I realized after four failed attempts to um, construct this voicemail. So we're going to go through this very quickly, so I I liked Lysander at first because I liked his mind and the way it worked, and he reminded me of Virginia. However, he's a raging space racist. Um, so, our first point of contention is his complete failure to develop his own system of belief after he goes with ample opportunity to see failure the failures of society, he acknowledges them, um, and sees some of the evils of the rising. He sees the evils of the society, he sees some of the failures of the Republic, and he he has a lot of time to analyze these things as he's in isolation from them and all the politics in the face of Cassius. And one of those things from Cassius continues to with him, yet he completely sets this aside to just become a product of the society and his upbringing and doesn't develop any of his own uh, individualistic thoughts, really, even though he claims he does, um, and becomes Octavia 2.0, even though he kind of despises her. I Sounds to me. Um, second, we have this lovely scene in Dark Age where Daryl brushes aside some light resistance. Sixie. We have another scene in Dark Age where he comes across his cousin, whom he claims to respect, and uh, instead of doing the prime thing and doing him, he just shoots him in the head. Fixy. we got one thing I will say the mind eye is pretty cool, but in the dark age, where he kind of obliterates people in the desert, even though he's like blind. Pretty cool. Uh, he gets half a point for Prime there, I guess. Um, he also spent some time with Cassius, which automatically makes them a little bit cooler. That's like half a point in favor of Prime. Then we have another point in favor of Pixie. Uh, he let Atalantia make them into her little bitch, Pixie. Um, again, evil aging, fake an iron ring, despite minimal training, sort of, but I guess makes him a little bit we'll get, some, we'll get some one point for time for that. Um, big one, his justification for gold rule being a necessity is very shaky at best. He argues that gold rule brought 700 years of peace, which isn't really true, because it also brought 700 years of slavery and any opposition that's kind of just erased the propaganda and execution. While the Republic apparently hasn't yet brought peace in the 10 years of existence which is true, but he fails to acknowledge that the world Empire wasn't built in a day, and they annihilated an entire species of people in order to build it. He uh, was dealing with a full system of conflict, while his life has been very few inequality, maintain equality and revolutionized the minds of people who were indoctrinated in a 700-year-long hierarchical caste-based ideology. Um, they're doing quite a bit. And also, he's completely failing to acknowledge the dark revolt, the moon rebellion, and, you know, small, non-peaceful things that happened during the Gold Reign. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of pixie, I guess. Uh, also, he derives his justification for his own power through his lineage rather than his own merit, which is really pixie thing to do in my book. That is, you, you can pay your own way. Using that, is, 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 it's, that's kind of funky, like even in the traditional way of like that doesn't make you hard because your lineage is from sparling or whatever. So, um in conclusion, he not a pixie quite in the traditional way, but he likes a certain streak that finds a prior in my eyes and he's a hypocrite plain and simple, which therefore makes him a pixie. That's all I've got for you guys today. Um how are you? Hello! Thank you
1: cat for calling in
0: a lot of info there.
1: I think uh, Raging Space Racist was (laughs) the theme of the voicemail.
0: I think she hit on a great point. I think the thing that is most annoying about Lysander is how hypocritical he can be sometimes. And she pointed out a lot of great examples of that.
1: And uh, I don't know, I think maybe even more annoying is him knowing firsthand how horrible Octavia was and yet saying we need to return to that um, 700 years of quote-unquote peace when he knew the ins and outs of of how it wasn't peaceful. Right, that was I think Kat, you know, really hit that on the head. <laughs> I agree. You know, with all the, the dark revolt
0: and everything, like, what's he talking about, 700 years of what peace? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're like hiding genocides and... Right, and he, he's, people. he's
1: got to know at least half <laughs> of Octavius' evil deeds, so. Yeah, what what piece are you talking about, Lysander?
0: Alright, our next voicemail. Let's hear it. Hey, my God, right, it's Ryan from Germany again, representing the New York, New Jersey Hallet. You have finally arrived
2: at the one character I've been waiting this whole time to call on about, Lysander album Is Lysander Prime? like, pixie? Nah. If there's a figure from history that makes you think of Lysander, it's Gaius Octavius, aka Octavian, aka Caesar Augustus. Born of a noble family, he received an excellent education and spent some time training with the troops and conspirators that assassinate his great-uncle Julius Caesar. Caesar posthumously named the young Octavian his heir, forcing him to spend a great deal of his early adulthood, battling both his adopted father's son and before declaring himself the first Roman Emperor. His reign is known for its expansion and prosperity. He was a political mastermind mind that was for the troops and a champion of virtue within the empire. He had a great idea of the promise of Rome and spent most of his life trying to live up to it. Mike watches his garden, guardian fall from power and uses his education, cunning, and martial skill to rally a coalition towards his side. With the Rims Alliance and the marriage to Atalantia, it would appear as if Lysander is now the de facto leader of the society remnant as we move into the sixth book. And yet, cries of fuck Lysander can be heard throughout the fan base on a level that I've not seen with any other fandom. I don't even re- remember Snape, Joffrey Galatian, or Kylo Ren getting this much heat. On the issue of space racism, Lysander most certainly is a space racist. I have to admit, was pretty gross the way he was talking about Rana and the standoff with him and Alexander. However, I think Pierce is trying to show us that Lysander is having a crisis of conscience. He grew up in a staunch pro-cast atmosphere, where his grandmother had brainwashed his mind to conform to her ideas. Throughout his journey, many agents are challenging this viewpoint. point. First, you got to the the caste system as a more respect and discipline-based hierarchy, where gold is expected to suffer alongside the low colors and share their burdens. Second, uh, y- he just learned that his parents themselves were reformers, and that Octavia had them killed. If you want proof that his views are changing, consider that Lysander appoints Roman T. Fabinius, a gray, to the office of ducks during his trial. It's clear to me that Lysander's Jews will be in to clash with the rest of the society vendors. Forcing him to make some hard choices about who his allies really are. On the issue of him being privileged or spoiled, so what? Lysander's proved his worth. He spent a decade in exile while other golds bunkered down on Venus, gorging themselves on shellfish. They may have welcomed him into infinite loving embrace, but he chose to spend his formative years hunting down pilots in the asteroid belt with Cassius, where he felt he could do the most good for his people. It's not like Daryl didn't get any extra help either. Of Quicksilver's. Lastly, Alexander is not a pity. Dude is a Razor Master, an Equestrian, a Strategist, a Master of the mind Eye, a Scholar, and a skilled politician. He's got more scholars than many do in the Free Legion and is brave enough to face down a posse of gold and even lead a charge in the Gao's flank in Heli- Heliopolis. Yes, he gunned down Alexander in a very undignified way, but come on, what choice did he have? I do believe that under less pressing conditions, I'm accepted doing challenge. I've had conversations with other fans where they'll say Lysander's motivation indeed fall very short of Darrow's. So, let's where Daryl was at the same point of his life. When he was Lysander's current age, Daryl would have been a young cadet in the academy at the beginning of Gold. to achieve his unclear goal.
0: A going on there, Ryan. A lot of excuses. (laughs) Uh, It
1: sounded very much like you were going to end with a prime Lysander, so we have another fence sitter waiting for book six. I think it's probably a safe place to stay.
0: No, that was really good, though. I really enjoyed that. I like the comparison to Lysander, where he's at currently in his life, to, to young Darrow, both trying to figure it out.
1: Darrow's goals were unclear. His goals were clearly to bring down the society, and I think...
0: Right, but he didn't know how he was going to do it. He was about to suicide bomb everybody.
1: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a direct manipulation from Harmony. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, you know, I think we need to be a little more Team Darrow. <laughs> Maybe not in Iron Gold, obviously, but, you know... At least the first trilogy.
0: (laughs) All right, let's see what our next voicemail is all about.
1: Hey guys, this is Justine
3: from Virginia, and I'm calling with an unpopular opinion for your Lysander episode. Lysander is definitely not a pixie, and I am ready for him to turn prime. Let's remember that he's the one that hands most sang the sovereign scepter after his grandmother's death. We know that he is learning that his family, or who he thought was family, is poisonous. And after that reveal about the pandemonium chair, his grandmother, and what happened to his memories about his mother, he is poised for a turn. I'm ready for him to be tempered by Mustang, work with her to build a thriving society at last, so Mustang can finally get a vacation, and I say, well, Lysander Aloon, for sovereign, I have a
1: Whatever comes next. Wow. Wow, Justine. <laughs> so, this again feels like a fence-sitter but leaning towards Prime, thinking for sure he'll turn Prime in Book 6. Poised for a turn.
0: That sounded pretty Prime to me, and she, she was uh, nominating him for Sovereign president
1: (laughs) i think mustang does need a vacation and i i like the idea of mustang and lysander having some sort of interaction where they can both like be like look how smart
0: i am you know i think it's interesting that there's so many howlers out there that see a a lysander redemption arc happening
1: i i can i i
0: I'm still, like, leaving that open, obviously. Right. I don't think that he can be redeemed, but I, I don't know. I, I, just, I, I mean, obviously, like, Pierce is capable, right? Or he can do it. But, like...
1: Well, Pierce left us some breadcrumbs to leave that option open, especially his parents.
0: That's true. We'll see.
1: Next up. Ah! Alright, we gotta hell. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I like when we get those <laughs> Put a smile on my face <laughs> Thank you mysterious howler For howling
0: at us Howl back at Alright let's go to our next voicemail
2: Howler this is your card number 3 I'm officially drunk I can't do this anymore I'm gonna do this and we're gonna
3: get it done Pixies Pixies They were never such a bunch of pixies Never question The power of gold No sir. They about to get what they deserve, lying, conspiring, every little thing that they're plotting, when a certain gentleman arrives in the they shit the bed, and he went, oh, this <laughs> so is how I work. Incredible.
1: Who was that? We didn't get a Are you I- my best friend?
0: <laughs> I don't a feeling it was Claire who called in last year and sang the... Oh, yeah. The we, yeah, we need to go <laughs> back to that. That was so amazing. I really like that
1: song. I, it started in my head. I need to add it to my, like, uh,
0: Spotify songs. Yeah, make sure and write that one down for the musical. We're going to have to get the rights. <laughs> Can we have the rights? <laughs> or are we... She just needs to be in the musical you You can go on and sing that for us. Awesome. Thank you, that was amazing.
3: Pixies, Pixies.
0: All right, our next voicemail. Let's hear it. I'm Mr. Professor, i of my fan I'm a house room for the word. I wouldn't make this.
1: Anonymous, prime vote. Hey, why don't you step up to the plate and t- your name so that we know who you are. We'll add you to our list of sympathizers. And we'll send you a free LSD packet. That's standard Sympathizer Disorder, not the
0: drug. Oh, that it, they're straight to the point. Prime,
3: we gotta vote for Prime.
0: Let's hear our next voicemail.
3: You know what Lysander kind of reminds me of, and this is, this is not really the fucking Morrison. Have you ever seen Maggie? So, Maggie Morrison kind of became famous and Billy. I and mean, it was kind of like, a, oh, he's kind of cute. Oh, he's like a decent person, okay actor kind of kind of thing. And then he just turned into a real fucking creep. I can't look at the man without being creeped the fuck out. I mean, I saw him at the rock star Christmas Tree lighting. Never mind that. That's the fucking great shit he did. I mean, forget that. I mean, that would make your skin crawl. I mean, you guys, you guys be from uh, fucking Mars. that shit's okay? I mean, like, that was bizarre. He's like that. That's like Lysander. He's like, kind of, he's like, okay. And all of a sudden, I don't know what I mean, I don't know where the turning point was. But he's a sexy bitch guy now. And it's it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not it's not okay. It's not going with my soul, it's not good with the wall, it, it's not okay. And that is why I stand there. It's a pixie bitch. It's a pixie bitch. I Oh no <laughs> <Nailed it.
1: laughs> <That was incredible. laughs> Yeah, my thoughts exactly. <laughs> I do know what Matthew Morrison from Glee has to do with Lysander.
0: It was that he's like the
1: that sexy he's the Grinch. Grinch. And that. So I googled Matthew Morrison Grinch because <laughs> I, do- I did not know what she was talking about. and
0: I, I saw ha- something about this on the internet. I
1: have to agree.
0: It's m- quite disturbing.
1: But it- he didn't do his own makeup, so it's not really his fault that he looks insane (laughs) (laughs) the nose on this Grinch whose idea was that
0: okay so So, if Lysander (laughs) does anything Grinch related in book 6 this howler is definitely out on him (laughs) (laughs) just
1: Matthew Morrison equals Lysander incredible I need to dive into that a little more I'll get back to you guys
0: you know, that was freaking awesome. <laughs> Enjoyable.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, next voicemail. is mail.
2: Oh, hey, how's it? It's your boy Logan Osanov, uh, coming at you from California. I've warned you guys, but I really want to get this off my chest about Lighter because everyone thinks he's a pixie, and I am one of few that do not. So, like many great authors upon the fact that good guys and bad guys are subjectively based on the individual set of circumstances and viewpoints points within the fantasy solar system they live in. Our perception of any character and they do process is a result of placing your own personal sense of morality onto that character. My fan is not only a phenomenal character, but also like he can be argued morally virtuous as well. So my a pixie statement, is thrown around quite a bit, and it's only based upon the fact that he's a space racist, which I get fucking things. Quite amazing but is absolutely no way a pixie. One obvious action that my fellow hollers always seem to fill out first and foremost is when he executes l- Alexander. I know everyone's talking about this, I know everyone gets fucked sick. But <coughs> my is an extremely practical minded thinker who cycles through a multitude of outcomes in any given situation before writing a decision. And the scene of Alexander he creates a mental checklist of him and the situation that's brought him This point, including Rona. And I know everyone gets false about Rona and talking shit about her in his head. And I get it, I understand it, but you gotta give the guy some more credit. Both of them he feels as though defeating him honorably to serve as one of the actors. I believe with two large political examples, quote-unquote, Octavia Lin, and the Rods, are taught him enough to sense, quote-unquote, in the core. His time spelled Octavia, which taught him to be a brutal fascist leader, and in his time, the Rods, which teaches him the more feudal, colony representation of society. His purpose towards the latter in many ways can shape him to rule in a more fair and measured manner, game or recognizes that autonomy with no rules or hierarchy set between the two. Daryl could have easily done the same thing with Apollo when I p and man, y'all cut me off when I'm drunk, I'm trying to get this shit off my trying to try to be a lifetime sympathizer and no one else is out there trying to fucking support me. Cut me off at the fucking cord. I see how it is. Also maybe a little we'll high. But to you my conversation, unlike Daryl, my friend makes no with an eternal devil. He allies with him for their shared mutual gain or recognizes autonomy with no rules or hierarchy set between the two. Daryl could have easily done this a true force to be reckoned with. He beat Darrow in one-on-one combat and nothing
1: Time. So, he's really
0: trying to pull us to his his team. Alright, I think that's all of the voicemails and all of the emails. We did it! It's the moment that we've all been waiting for. Yes. Now, Ben and I will decide.
1: <laughs>
2: <Uh-oh>. <laughs> Have you decided?
0: Are you prepared for this? I'm super prepared. Do you want to go first or second?
1: Um, okay, so we don't need to really talk about um center anymore. We've obviously exhausted I think everything's <laughs> We've exhausted the issue. So I will say that I think if prime means to you that you stick to your values and convictions, that you're good at fighting, mm-hmm. that you don't balk in the face of imminent death, if you have courage to do what is necessary, um, then you are prime. So, in that sense, he is prime.
0: hmm
1: However. <laughs>
0: However.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> because I uh, get to define what Pixie means to me. That's
0: true, also.
1: As everyone does. Yeah. We all have the freedom to choose. Yes. I think that... His actions in fighting for a dead society that promoted the enslavement of millions and millions of people across the universe in not only enslavement, but in indoctrination and lying to the Lomarads and the Obsidians and creating false gods, Mm -hmm. and he wants to bring that back thinking that is the pinnacle of perfection. Mm. That is ridiculous. (laughs) So he's clearly brainwashed, which is not his fault. However, he's fighting for the wrong team, therefore he's a pixie. Wow. Also, he killed Alex, so <laughs> <you. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Alright let's hear your reasoning.
0: Okay, so I think where we have to start is there is a difference between having sympathy for a character and having empathy for a character. If you're a sympathizer, you're like agreeing with what they're doing. Like you're sympathized with their cause, so you're cool with that. We're not cool. So you're not a sympathizer. No. I do empathize with Lysander. We get to know him. We get to go through the things that happened to him in his life. And they're terrible, some of them. He's been put in some rough situations. For sure. So we can have empathy for Lysander at the same time. And that helps us to understand him as a character, right? It makes him a better villain when he's not just like a cardboard cutout bad guy, right? So I don't like that characterization of Lysander, is just like... Right, he's not fa. Right. Yeah, he's not exactly. all baddie. Exactly. So, once again, it comes back to the question, like, what does Prime mean to you? What does Pixie mean to you? I right, Let me just say, I'm very much fuck Lysander. I love that. It's very fun to say. I also like to make fun of him. He's very easy to make fun of, because he, he has is shit. a jackass who's full of himself. So, I'm always gonna make fun of that character. But... If you can have a character that makes this, like, we can do a three-hour episode on him, yeah. and it, uh, this
1: episode yet.
0: it creates this kind of reaction where we have people passionately arguing on both sides, to me, I'm coming at it from a storytelling angle, that character is prime. So you're saying Pierce is prime because
1: he wrote (laughs) such a uh, character with such depth that we can each find a different viewpoint of him.
0: So to me, Lysander is prime. If he can inspire this kind of hate and this kind of passion to defend him at the same time, that's a prime character to me.
1: Alright, we're divided. A house divided cannot stand. Get out of my fucking house <laughs>
4: I just want to be clear, though. He still sucks.
1: <laughs> and I I want to be clear, too, that although I I stand by what I said, he is a pixie, I do still, you know, we've opened the option that he could repent and in the end right before he dies, like, do something
0: for the Republic, and, you know, amend for his wrongdoings. I'm almost more of a hardliner on that. I don't want to see him redeemed. I would like him to, like, lean more into this... The heel? Yeah, being the bad guy type stuff. Ben loves a good bad guy. (laughs) Okay, there you have it, Hellers.
1: We have one vote for Prime, one for Pixie from... And then, of course, a lot of votes on Instagram for Pixie. And then, you
0: know... I mean, the Howlers have spoken. It was 83% Pixie.
1: Well, on on that vote. But I I think the most passionate... write-ins and voicemails Mm -hmm. mostly were for defending Lysander so we we still the debate is still out we will come back to you after book six to see
0: what happens we'll have to revisit this episode for sure can't wait alright you know what it's time for
1: what are we into this week? I'm so excited because I'm super into <laughs> Richardson, <laughs> As I said earlier in this episode If you have Netflix And if you Are super into 19th century England And or you know Pride and Prejudice, Downton Abbey then, Or you know Vampire Diaries I kind of get that right from it <laughs> uh, Please give it a watch um, I it's
0: ha- like the third time Aaron's tried to sell me on watching this show. I TV have to say, you know, Ben Ben and my husband are not
1: interested. So please give me a ring if, if you're into it because all me and all my girlfriends are. So check it out. It's super good. Also don't watch it with young children. There's a lot of nudity. Oh wow. For Netflix. You know, yeah. it's like PG-13. Well, Yeah doesn't
0: it sound <laughs> PG-13. <laughs> so nice, but... Ben, what are you into? I am into a movie. It's called Tenant. Have you heard of this movie?
1: Yes, I heard it about it from you. <laughs>
0: so, this was, like, supposed to come out over the summer, and it was supposed to be, like, a big blockbuster movie, right? Yes. But it got ruined by COVID. Everything else They tried to release it In the fall But it just like Didn't work So it's like Kind of A failure of a movie Quote unquote In terms of uh, Box office success Yes And then like Also people are kind of Shitting on it Because it's hard to understand
1: So you're really selling this For us
0: This is where it all comes back But wait movie.
1: There's more
0: <laughs> So I like this movie I thought it was good I did not understand Anything that happened in it and you're probably one of the smartest people I know, so that's but daunting. But okay. You know, I think if I watched it again, I'll probably enjoy it more and ha- understand more of the, the time travel weirdness going on. But, basically, it's... James Bond became a time cop, and he's, like, traveling back in time trying to save the end of the world. That's all it is. We've got a crazy Russian guy who's going to destroy the world, and we've got... Great looking, hot, super agent, <laughs> traveling back through time to stop it from happening, and then there's like weird backwards fighting and stuff. Just but you liked it, and then Robert Pattinson's in it, and he's great. You know, I do like Robert Pattinson. And hey,
1: so basically, if you're like cool with time travel and just accepting
0: that it's confusing, with it. Then yeah. yeah. Anyway, it was a fun movie. There's lots of really cool stunts. Lots of great action. My review for it, I got on Letterboxd. It's like a social media site for movies and you just like keep track of everything that you do. And review stuff. My review for Tenet was, I had no idea what was going on, but I liked it. Question mark?
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll have to watch it. I love uh, time travel, but if you didn't get it, I don't know, I might not. It's got a great cast you yeah, like
0: pretty people, pretty locations.
1: Uh, ben uh, kind of related it to a movie like Inception, where like you just have to accept that reality.
0: So it's the same filmmaker that made The Dark Knight, Inception, Dunkirk, all those movies. Mm,
4: those are all good.
0: Yeah. So, watch Tenet. All right, Aaron. what's coming up next week on HowlerPod? It's our
1: final Character City episode. <laughs> 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 we <did it. laughs> <Puff> champagne! <laughs> we are studying our protagonist, Darrow. We yeah. are. I love Darrow. I'm excited.
0: So what I think we'll do with this one, you know, it's not so much a debate, Prime and Pixie here. Obviously. Really we think he's Prime. Obviously. So if you're writing in for the Darrow show, you don't need to tell us Primer pixie. Prime pixie, just tell us like your favorite Daryl moment. Or yeah. It's gonna be kind of more of like a celebration Or give of, uh, us like,
1: remember when Pierce did this?
0: Nobody needs to justify, you know, Daryl being prime is all I'm saying. And we if it, if you really character. want to,
1: you know, throw a log on the flame of my anger, sure you can <laughs> write in and tell me Darrow's a pixie, but I'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find <laughs> you <laughs> so you know you know, was you not
0: creepy at all
1: <laughs> <laughs> alright howlers don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy that's at howlerpod Check out the Etsy store, email us howlerpod at gmail.com Voicemails can be left at 1-800-516-1540 Find links to all this and more at howlerpod.com That's H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D Tell a friend about the books and spread the word that there is a pretty, fun, silly podcast that you can (laughs) listen to if you are in need of friends. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you say dear. A pixie i don't want to be rate <laughs> right and review us five stars only if you don't give us five stars only then we will diddle your mind in the pandemonium chair <laughs> i was gonna say when you're a little boy but i don't want to say that we're
0: definitely not gonna do that so
1: just like as you are you'll,
0: <laughs> we'll mind diddle you will mind
1: it only okay <laughs> And thank you to all of you who wrote in and who left voicemails. Um, this has been like a super fun week, especially after, um, you know, having COVID. It, it
0: was a great way to come back. Yes. Thank you to Heather and Miles and Nick for their contributions as well. And we love you guys. Thank you. Howlers.
1: Omnisphere lupus. Hello. Hello.